Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. Enjoy. Bertrand Russell was a 20th century philosopher and an atheist. And someone once asked him what he would say if he found himself before God on Judgment Day and God asked him, why didn't you believe in me? And Bertrand Russell apparently answered, I would say, not enough evidence, God, not enough evidence. Well, in our previous episode, we talked about how our desires point us to something beyond ourselves for our ultimate fulfillment. And we can see evidence of that in creation, in the human person, and in revelation. And we believe that that thing that lies beyond is God, but how can we know that for sure? What if it's just something else that is outside of this world that will fulfill us? And on top of that, when we look at the universe and the question of intelligent design, we inevitably come up against the questions and the perceived tension between faith and science, or faith and reason, as it's sometimes said. And sure, if we have a very literal interpretation of the Bible without reading it in its proper context, um, then yeah, there are a lot of contradictions with science and with history. But as Catholics, we don't do that. We always look at the context. We love science because science is concerned with what is true, and so is faith, so is theology. We simply look at the question with two different categories of evidence. Science uses tangible evidence that is observable. Faith uses philosophical and supernatural evidence that cannot necessarily be studied in a lab, but still relies on logic and reason. Science could never disprove God's existence, and theology could never disprove a scientifically proven law. They are outside of one another's purview. And on top of that, the Catholic Church has actually historically been a huge champion and supporter of the sciences. Copernicus and Galileo were Catholic astronomers who first promoted the idea that the Earth was not the center of the universe, but that it in fact revolved around the sun. The Catholic Church was instrumental in developing the laws of evidence and the scientific method that are still used today. Father George Lemaitre, a Catholic priest, first proposed the Big Bang Theory and introduced it to Albert Einstein. Gregor Mendel, the founder of modern genetics, was a Catholic priest. And Sister Mary Keller was the first woman in the United States to earn a PhD in computer science, and she was a religious sister. There is a Pontifical Academy of Sciences. Uh, one of the leading observatories in the world is at the Vatican. And every single miracle that's attributed to a saint to make them a saint needs to be scientifically vetted and proven to be instant, complete, and not explainable by any other scientific or medical explanation. And so as Catholics, we embrace science because we embrace truth. I wholeheartedly believe that if any person continued to ask the question, why, and honestly, objectively sought to understand and critically assess the evidence, then they would arrive at God, Jesus Christ, and the Catholic Church 100% of the time. So how can we use that relationship, even though they are different, but the common goals of faith and science, to know that God is real? 
we can begin by looking at the universe. And there are three things about our universe that ultimately point to the fact that there is an intelligent designer, a creator, a God that is responsible for the universe. And so I'm gonna get a little scientific, so stay with me if this isn't your gift because it's fascinating nonetheless. So the first thing we can look at and know immediately about the universe is that it is massive. There are 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone. Now, I know we throw that word a billion around a lot, like there are billionaires and there are billions or trillions of dollars of debt, um, you know, floating around out there. And so let me propose this experiment for you to know how big that number is. I want you to imagine how long ago you think 1,000 hours was. Maybe discuss it with the people around you. Have a guess. When was 1,000 hours ago? Your first instinct. Well, if you're watching this when it premieres, a thousand hours ago was August 20th in 2020. So a few weeks ago. What about a million hours ago? How long ago do you think one million hours ago was? Well, that was in July, but of 1906, over 100 years ago. Now, what about one billion hours ago? How long ago was that? That was also in July. But July of the year 112,135 BC. A billion is a big number. And that's just 100 billion stars in our galaxy. If you look out at the universe, there are 10 to the 21st power stars in the universe. That is a huge number. You know how many hours ago that was? That was 114 quadrillion hours ago. That's the amount of time it would take not only for our universe to exist, which is 13.8 billion years old, but actually 1.2 trillion of our universes to exist. That is a huge number. God is massive. In fact, next time you have a chance, take a dime and go outside and hold it up to the night sky at arm's length or the day sky, but recognize that that dime is covering about 15 million stars as you look at it. In fact, in 1995, the Hubble telescope pointed at an area near the Big Dipper that looked like nothing, and it focused on it for 10 days. It was a size about the, a 30th the size of the full moon. And when the image came back, it was filled with the light of stars and galaxies that could not be seen by the naked eye. We don't even understand how massive the universe is when we go outside and look up. In fact, scientists alone, when they look up at the sky, they can only explain and study about 5% of what they see. The rest, they just call dark matter, dark energy, because we really don't know that much about it, and we don't know what it is. And so our universe is huge. So massive, it is beyond our conception. And we use a word to describe that when we talk about God, and that word is omnipotent. Say it with me, omnipotent. And that means all-powerful. If our universe is this big, then something bigger and more powerful than the universe would have had to have acted in order for it to exist. So God is not only powerful, but he is enormous. He's eternal. He could never be created because then something else would have been that ultimate power and universe before him. And we could go back and back and back and back until eventually we would have to have someone or something that always existed. And for us, that is God. And that God is omnipotent. He is all powerful because the universe is 
massive. Secondly, we can look around and see that the world and the universe that we live in is intricate. All things in creation and in the universe seem to weave and hold together in a way that would not be expected. Now, there are so many examples of this, it was hard to pick just one or two. One of my favorite examples in the human body is this protein called laminin. Laminin is an essential protein to the structure of almost every tissue in our body. Without it, we would essentially disintegrate. And yet it holds us together. And it just so happens, if you look it up, to be the shape of a cross. That the cross is literally holding you and I together biologically. I just love that. Um, but even if you look down at the atomic level, as small as we can look, electrons orbit a nucleus in every atom. And it's the same way that planets orbit suns in the massive field of the universe. There are these similar forces that exist all around us, intricately and interconnectedly allowing for things to exist. Because God, he is intimately involved in our universe at every single moment. He is willing you and I into existence right now. In fact, if God forgot about you for even a millisecond, you would cease to exist. Think about that. You would cease to exist. What does that mean? That means that you are always on God's mind. He is always thinking about you. Your name is always on his lips. And he has never forgotten you. And he never will. He did not create the world and the universe 13.8 billion years ago and just kick back to watch it all play out. No, he is still present, making sure everything is directed toward order rather than chaos. And the word we use for that is omnipresent. Say it with me, omnipresent. That means that God is present everywhere in all things, willing them to exist. And we see evidence of that and in how intricately connected our universe is. And lastly, besides being massive, besides being intricate, our universe and our world is ordered. It would seem that a cataclysmic event such as the Big Bang would have burned up most of the universe's energy. There'd be radiation levels so high that life would be impossible and chaos would continue to erupt until that explosion died down and nothing was left. But that's not what happened. In fact, in our universe, we find these laws and constants that govern the ability for things to exist, to grow and to evolve and for us to have the life that we do. Our planet, in fact, it moves at a thousand miles an hour through space. Nine million miles it travels per year. And we don't experience the effect of that simply because of the force of gravity. Our, universe, or our planet is tilted at a 23 and a half degree angle on its axis, a half a degree in either direction, and we would not be able to support life on our planet. That is how ordered our universe is to being able to have life, to being able to continue to exist in any ordered way. And so the word that we use for this to describe God is omniscient. Say it with me, omniscient. And that means all-knowing, that it would take a being with infinite knowledge and intelligence to ensure such intelligent design and order. It's as is said in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so when we look around, we see evidence of a creator in creation. And not only that, we see that that creation is massive, 
intricate and ordered. And so that creator then must be massive, intricate and ordered, or as we would say, omnipotent, omnipresent and omniscient. And so that begs the question, if God is those things, why are you and I here? Because God, he doesn't need us, obviously. He is all of those things. And yet, you and I exist. And therefore, the only logical explanation is that God wants us. And the God who wants us, he did not create us out of necessity, but he created us out of total love. Because as we read in scripture, God is love. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, For if man does not know love, he does not know God, for God is love. And that loving God, we believe, is a trinity of persons, three in one. We have this mystery that one plus one plus one equals one. We don't believe in three separate gods or a God who shapeshifts, but a God who is relationship itself. He is both lover and beloved and the love in between. He is the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And that is modeled in families and marriages, just as the husband is the lover and the wife is the beloved. The love in between them blossoms into the new life of a child. It is in the very nature of God to create, to love, and to be in relationship. And so just like I am a father and a son and a spouse, that is similar to the three ways of being of the Trinity. And yet, the way that God is Trinity is so far beyond any analogy we could use or describe or understand. In fact, if anyone ever claims to understand God um, or, you know, the Trinity in that sense, then they're probably thinking too highly of themselves or too little of God. It would be like trying to bite a wall. We just could not fit that knowledge in our head. Because God is not a problem to solve. He's a mystery to be beheld. He's not a concept to understand, but a person who loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. He created all of this, 10 to the 21 stars in our universe, for you as a gift. That is the God that we worship. That is how much bigger than your worries, your sins, and your struggles our God is. Maybe you inherited a unhelpful, angry, or judgmental, or untrue version of God. Maybe you have thought you have to earn his love, avoid his wrath, obey, or else. But that is not the God that we worship. He is powerful. He is present. He knows us better than he knows ourselves. And above all, he loves us. That is why Jesus does not reveal him as some distant judge, but as Father. When the disciples ask him, Lord, how are we to pray in Matthew chapter 6? He says, this is you, how you are to pray. Our Father, and the word he uses for Father there is Abba, which means Daddy or Dada. That that is the intimacy that the God of the universe who is massive, intricate, ordered, and who has done all of this, we can look around and know that he exists. But beyond that, that he is not far away, that he is right here, knowing us, loving us into existence in this moment. And so if you're watching this and you feel like God has forgotten you, if you feel like that relationship is on the rocks or there's struggle there, know that he is with you right now. You don't have to go find him. Just put yourself in a position to be found and cry out, Abba, Daddy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.